Welcome to episode 117 of Stageworthy. I'm your host, Phil Rickaby. Stageworthy is a podcast about people in Canadian theatre featuring conversations with actors, directors, playwrights, and more. You know, if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, I'd like to remind you that subscribing is the best way to make sure that you never miss an episode of Stageworthy. And there are some great episodes coming up, so trust me when I say that you don't want to miss them. Make sure that you subscribe to Stageworthy on Apple Podcasts, Google Music, or Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts, so that you can get every episode of Stageworthy delivered right to your device. If you want to drop me a line, you can find Stageworthy on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at StageworthyPod, and you can find the website at StageworthyPodcast.com. If you want to drop me a line, you can find me on Instagram and Twitter at PhilRickaby, and my website is PhilRickaby.com. My guests this week are Bryce Hodgson and Charlie Kerr of Blood Packs Theatres After Wrestling, with occasional interjections from producer Bree Proke. After Wrestling is currently in its final week of performances at Toronto's Factory Theatre, closing on March 18th, 2018. So guys, tell me about after wrestling. Wait, are we recording? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Well done, <laughs> Phil. Thank you. Um, <laughs> secret, secret podcaster no, no, over no. here. Yeah, yeah, no. Um, See, this is how I trick you into being comfortable Jesus. enough to yeah. have a, like a conversation <laughs> and not think of it as an interview. And we, yeah, great. Um, after wrestling, uh, what what's it about? What's it? Yeah, yeah. tell me about it. Tell me about after wrestling. After wrestling. After wrestling. Because oh. <laughs> um, I've been rehearsing all day, so I don't, you know, uh, maybe it's yeah. unfair to make me make you use your brains. But after after wrestling, I think is about siblings. I think it's a play about two siblings. Okay, and I think it's a play about grief, mm-hmm. and I think it's a play about how far people are willing to go to. Protect a secret. Hmm. That to me is what I think the play is about. Okay. Hmm. It's also to me, out of any of our plays, I don't know if you feel this way, but out of any of our plays, it's the most undescriptive play. Because there's, <laughs> like, with the other ones, there was always, like, it's about, like, you know, with Kill Your Parents, it was like, it was mm-hmm. about, like, three siblings getting together to, like, hash over, like, you know, their grandmother's will and like hilarity ensues and everybody's able to be like, I know that play. Yeah. I, you know, that play makes sense to me. Whereas this one is like, it's about siblings and some stuff, hmm. you know, otherwise you give too much away. Sure. I mean, it, 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 that, that's always the trick with something that has like, you know, you don't want to give too much away. Yeah. Um, how does wrestling play into it? Can you, can we... In, in a lot of uh, ways, but not uh, not incredibly obvious ones, considering we went with that for the title. Um, but uh, there's one character who is uh, obsessed with wrestling the way that we're obsessed with the theater and film. And, mm-hmm. and like, it's, it's his ultimate passion. Okay. And, um, and then some things in the... Uh, in, in the play are kind of almost structured like a wrestling match. 
with the way things flip and flip back. Um, yeah, the, those are the main ones. And then the idea of someone, uh, dealing with, um, a, an illness or a trauma sure. wrestling. That's the double entendre oh, yeah, yeah, of yeah, the yeah, one yeah. character wrestling and the yeah. other character wrestling as well. Hmm. Hmm. Um, I mean, I will admit to, um, having a, a brief, uh, obsession with wrestling <laughs> yeah with uh the spectacle of it this yeah. was in the i guess in the early two 2000s attitude era, attitude era. that's yeah. that's me too yeah, yeah like stone yeah. cold is my uh all-time fave yeah yeah when you know just mankind the rock that's oh, yeah. that's my era all, all golden age no, and that's not even the golden age. Just like no, the golden age is like Hulk Hogan. Yeah, yeah. Rowdy Roddy. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. They live. Yeah, yeah great, like great film. <laughs> Except for the twenty-minute wrestling match in the middle of the film. You're talking in the alleyway where yeah. they beat the yeah. shit out of like, each other. Put, put, on, the put on the glasses. Yeah. For so long. And yeah. Like, this is what you decided to spend. Well, then it cuts to which Carpenter's really good with shit like this. Then it cuts to like them in the back alleyway, like slung over top of each other with like Western music, like looking at everybody. Like, yeah, man. That's like one of my least favorite John Carpenter. I fucking love that. Yeah, yeah. You You and I would argue about it. No, it's one of my favorite. Yeah, I love it. I absolutely love that. Yeah. Isn't uh, Big Trouble Little China his as well? Yeah. Yeah. Hell yeah. Mm -hmm. That's. For me, that like I watch that film like all the time. The thing. Oh shit! Fuck. The yeah. Thing is yeah. The thing is, I pound for pound. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's it's unstoppable. <laughs> you didn't just stop recording. No, 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 you no, didn't no. just pause for no, that John Carpenter. I didn't. I'm not. I'm not going to interrupt John. I would Carpenter. walk out of this no, fucking no. interview don't if you that. did that. Don't, please, yeah. please, sir, don't do that. <laughs> um, now, I mean, we're sort of uh, hedging around. Uh, some of the stuff that I think I mean there's after wrestling it sounds like it's I, I mean it sounds like it might if you think only about the wrestling part of things it sounds like it might be uh, something a little light but there's actually something kind of dark and deep underneath that it, it's I mean you're dealing with suicide in this mm-hmm. yeah right? mm-hmm. um, and that's <clears throat> I find that I've found, and, and I have a couple of people who've had people that, that they love who've, who've, uh, who've died by suicide. Mm-hmm. It's As not a we. thing that ever goes away. You, you learn how to deal with the fact that it happened, but it's probably one of the hardest deaths to come to terms with. Um, do you, do you agree? Yeah. I, yeah. I would yeah. say that it's, it's the least blueprinted Mm. death to be able to come to terms with even even like you just now saying died by suicide Mm -hmm. like that's some new shit being able to say that died by suicide you know what i mean like to be able to like to have like you know, the, the, the circumstances that kind of inspired this play, mm-hmm. like of our friend who, who died by suicide, like when that went down, like there was no, like, I didn't, I, you don't, you, we weren't able to find anybody to rap about it. No. And we've always kind of chatted about this It's like over the years of kind of developing this story, it was a little bit more like out, out of the woodwork, out of yeah. the woodwork came some more people that like 
were able to kind of talk about yeah. the subject. Whereas it's a very sort of like it's it kind of feels like the desert out there when some when someone close to you oh dies sure by suicide because number one it's a thing that we our society doesn't talk about and really hasn't for a long time. There's a slow change now, but it's there's we treat it like a shameful thing, mm-hmm. and so we don't talk about it and. Which is bad because the people who have had people who, who've died in that way need to fucking talk about it, you know? Well, yeah, and, and you know, one of the best ways that, like, you know, somebody explained it to me was, um, you know, one of the things you don't process is the fact that it's like the person who you're grieving has killed themselves. Yeah. And, and... Um, we, you know, there's, there's a circumstance that surrounds that, but also at the same time, there's like a lot of having to grieve the fact that like the person who died did that to them. So I, I don't know yeah. if I, 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 I I'm seeing the image that I'm trying to create yeah. and that I'm trying to explain, but it's, but it's, it's seeing it's, you know, oh, and, and it, as it does in this story, like a lot of like, a lot of anger comes up with that. Mm-hmm. A lot of yeah. confusion comes up with that. A yeah. lot of, you know, like a lot of things that are not graspable. Yeah. Because you know? you're dealing with something that we are, we love to make saints out of people who die. And yeah, it's another thing yeah, that comes and up we in don't, our play. Yeah. So, you know, somebody dies and now all the things that they did that were shitty, we don't talk about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And all the things that they did, they were questionable. We don't talk about. Mm-hmm. So you can't stay mad at the dead. And yet, when somebody dies by suicide, when they've done that, mm-hmm. you have to deal with the fact that you are grieving their loss. Yeah, man. And fucking angry You're at so them. So angry at them. Yeah. Yeah. You, yeah, you have to compartmentalize this part of yourself that is so natural. Yeah. Of like, fuck. You, you took away my friend. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. As much as I'm, it's so conflicting, and it's one of like, it can really like tear you apart, right? That's you know that is a big inspiration Mm -hmm. of where the show moves through. It's funny because I was thinking about how you know I got to a point when I had somebody I love who died by suicide, where I felt like the only way that I could deal with it was to make art mm. was to try to create something the only way i could process what i was feeling was through making something yeah. creating a play mm-hmm. and did you guys find that that there was something if not healing something cathartic about creating this play certainly certainly but you're also talking to us on a day where we're like literally driving driving here straight from rehearsals so it's a bit of a it's a bit of a shock right now you know what i mean especially like i don't i don't know if i mean we've checked in enough throughout creating this thing but like for me i i i don't i don't I probably won't know until it's over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't know until it's, like, done. It's kind of... Just well, because I, it, we've been sitting in it for so fucking long. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there's a different thing, because there's writing it. Yeah. Which is one part of the process, and there's performing it. Yeah. Which is entirely different. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, different parts of the brain, different parts of the heart yeah. involved in each. Yeah. 
Um, but yeah. I, but to what you're saying of like the, you know, the creating something is the being able to like look at it from, you know, now I'm able to actually look at this thing. I'm able mm-hmm. to look at this thing with something to sort of protect me. I'm able to yeah. look at this thing with, you know, some sort of other perspective instead of it just being like, this is my experience yeah. and I'm just living in the experience yeah. kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, it, there, you know, the, the, the circumstances, the, the, the circumstances that inspired this play, um, for me, you know, it, it really did allow me to start being able to talk about my friend mm. in, in a very distant kind of way. Sure. You know, being able to just talk about it more as fact, yeah. more as something that I had moved through, whether or not I fully had. I don't really know, but I do know that like being able to talk about something like it was just like very matter of fact, mm-hmm. it was just mm-hmm. being able to like, we we're just being able to use this as like notes to be able to work on this particular thing that, yeah, yeah, that has been, that has mm-hmm. been healing. Yeah. Yeah. That has been, that has made things simpler yeah. and easier, you know? Do you find it hard, difficult to rehearse this play to, to dredge things up? Yeah, it's not it's not a stupid no, question right. at yeah. all, but it um Yeah, the fact is that, you know, a really awful thing happened mm. in, in Bryce's uh real life. Yeah. And um And in yours. Yeah. You knew him yeah, and yeah. in yours. Yeah. And um and you know and, and to honor the story that we're trying to tell, you, you really have to get into the muck of what actually happened. Yeah. yeah. This stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, thank you guys for, for coming right after rehearsal yeah, yeah, to yeah, talk yeah. about this shit, but uh, I, that, that they can't be easy to, to shake that off at the end of, the, of a, a long day of rehearsal. This is, this is the weirder play of being able to put to rest when you go home. Out of mm-hmm. out of out of all the plays we've done, this has been the one where it's like you go home at night and it doesn't really. Mm. It just kind of you know. But I also I don't know I don't know if that's the content I don't know if that's the subject I don't know if that's like the fact that we've been working on it for so long. This was a weird one for us. We always like really like not writing for very long. Mm. We're like big, like we we like writing for a week and then doing a couple months of drafts and then just putting on a play. Yeah. Um, and then this one was like that weird one that hung out for a long time. We've been writing it for like fucking two years. Okay. Um, so it's been kind of like the the you know the play that follows us around. Sure. And then Factory took it on, and. You know, we didn't expect, we weren't really, we weren't planning on doing this one. Right. Um, and so it's just kind of been there the whole time. And now we're suddenly working on it. And I almost feel at times like I'm like, wake up and I'm like, oh fuck, we're rehearsing after wrestling. Like, how did it, how did it come about that, that like, if you guys didn't really think you'd be performing this one, how did it come about this, this ended up uh, at factory? We, I mean, you should. You should, Yeah. So we did submit this play to Storefront for mm-hmm. their 2017-18 season, right? And then Storefront had the unfortunate event of being shut down their bricks and mortar. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. 
And so a couple of months after that happened, Nina, who's the artistic director of Factory, went to Claire Burns, who's the artistic producer of Storefront, and asked if she had any submissions from their mm-hmm. now failed season that she wanted to bring forward. So Claire opted after wrestling. Nina read it. She mm-hmm. loved it. And that's how it happened. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah, we wrote another play and and then finished it. And we were like, fucking finish that one. And then I went to New York to do a play. And then Brie called me like a week later and was like, so Factory wants after wrestling. <laughs> yeah, and then we had to, you know, improve it and, and make it a lot better and clearer. <laughs> <laughs> it, so you had this what? thing for, for two years, and then how long was it before, like, from the time that the Factory said we wanted to, to now that you had to... Polish it up. I think all together seven months, eight months, more than that. We found out in like April April. of last year. Yeah. So yeah, almost a year, ten months. Mm. So we'd been doing it for about. I think when it goes on stage, we'll have been working on it for three years. years. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So it's yeah, man. It's it's been a long haul with this one. Yeah. Heavy. Yeah. And it's you know yeah, but it. I also want to say it's it's a dramedy, like yeah, 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 yeah. Try, well, I mean, yeah, yeah, yeah. Try and yeah, 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 yeah. You know, like <laughs> you know, I don't want people to just think it's no. Schindler's List. Yeah, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, but yeah, like yeah. you can't. I think that you can't really deal with this shit by like just sitting in the sad shit all the time. Right. Like you have to deal with it in like so many different ways and. Uh, an audience needs to laugh and fuck sometimes like you need to laugh you know? well but also I mean especially for you and me that's something that you and I have always talked about especially surrounding death and like yeah. it you naturally you and me have always talked about how when somebody dies we naturally gravitate towards each other or people like us who are able to like sneak into a corner and make jokes about the scenario mm-hmm. and that's not out of some perverse need to take down what is going on that's out of like part of processing it has to live in being able to laugh about it oh absolutely it. and not everybody's not everybody's cool with that and that's fine I am yeah. you are <laughs> and that's how we've been able to do this thing yeah. you know it's also a, you know it's a tiny bit more untreaded to 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 you know ground your comedy in, in things that are this um yeah this rough yeah i think that's when almost things become like more funny <laughs> that like, that's where oh, i yeah, at yeah, too yeah. is you know you know the the most uh watchable comedies are ones that you care about the stakes yeah mm-hmm. yeah the stakes have to be high otherwise it's just like just people jokes. slipping on banana peels yeah, yeah absolutely. and that's only funny for Ever. <laughs> I mean, you're talking to like two of the biggest airplane fans of all time. Like, we watch airplane all the fucking time. But granted, like, no, granted that movie's perfect. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and also, you know, he has to land a plane. Land a plane. But I mean, there's a lot of people yeah. on board. That, I mean, the stakes are high the stakes in airplane. Are, the yeah, good luck really high. We're all counting yeah. on you. Yeah. The, the stakes are high because. There's a bunch of people gonna die. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They just happen to wrap a whole lot of 
crazy shit. That movie is is this like perfect. Okay, but yes. And it's also like it's based on a movie and the plot is exactly the same. Oh, I didn't know is that. It, all they've done is like and a lot of the dialogue is actually the same. Oh, I didn't know. And that. They Wait, just, like on a straight movie or yes! on like wow, which movie? Yeah, I don't even remember the name of it. I'll have to find that. Great. But like We're Googling. It. It's like a shot for shot and like like the story is the same and all they did was like find the funny in it. Yeah. 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 When did you guys start making theater? 2014. Okay. Yeah. Is that when you started together? Yeah. yeah. What about before that? Like, what was, what was like, like, when did you guys know that theater was a thing you were going to do? Um, 2010. <laughs> <laughs> Seri- okay. Yeah, seriously. 2010. Never really had any interest in theater. <clears throat> um, made a lot of music. Mm-hmm. Played in a band that was like a very like theatrical, okay, you know, big band with lots of like costume changes, and we would oh, like shit. build puppets and like things like that. Like it was like it was a big performance yeah. thing, and that was probably the closest I had come to it. And I had done some like theater and stuff in high school, but that was most of my creative energy was spent playing in that band, right? And then was a child actor and did some TV and stuff like that, and then was taking acting classes. Um, and really like, you know, really, really fell in love with acting through doing acting classes, but never really fell in love with acting Mm. outside of those classes. And, and, um, yeah. And then, and then, um, wasn't able to finish high school. So I went to theater school that didn't care about a high school requirement. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, cause it was a smart option. Um, and then when I got out of theater school, um, I was living in New York mm-hmm. and then a friend of mine took me to an audition with him and we both auditioned for a play and we both got to play and then mm-hmm. I fell in love with doing theater. But it was like, it was never really on my radar mm-hmm. until I was like, yeah, like 21. Mm-hmm. And, and I, and I always thought it was kind of silly. I thought plays were kind of silly. What was it about plays that you thought was silly? Well, we grew up in... We're from Vancouver, man. And, like... No good theater. No good fucking theater. <laughs> I, mean, I, 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 don't, I thought about this when we were driving over here. I was like, if Vancouver comes up and theater in Vancouver comes honest. up, am I going to pretend? And I'm going to... Am I going to... Fuck that shit. I'm Vancouver. just going to drink like, this water. Yeah, no. But, like, we grew up in Vancouver where it's, like... It's, trash. It's trash, dude. It's and not so- trash. It's it's yeah. just very conventional, Airplane is perfect. boring. Yeah. Airplane is perfect. <laughs> like, I, from what I've heard, Vancouver is a TV and film town. Yeah. Like, very little theater. It's not a yes. theater town. Yeah. And the theater that is there is stuff that our parents go to see. Nothing that we would find exciting. And no no but, offense to our parents. No, but, but that's the thing. So, you grew up, so that was my perception of theater. Sure. And I, like, moved to New York and like was like going to theater school and wasn't going and seeing plays because I was like I don't I've seen theater I sure don't like it and that was my that was my thing and I was totally happy going and seeing music and movies mm-hmm. and then and then I was I was wrong mm. then I went and saw some plays and then I did a play and I realized I was completely wrong it's funny because uh, I've encountered people they're like I can't get my friends to go to the theater because they're yeah. like I saw a play once and I didn't like it I think that's I think that's the oldest story in the book yeah. I sure. think that's a very just be bummed out with the entire medium it's just all that just play. Play. but like yeah. it's insane no but I think it's that like when you were little 
you saw a movie, and when you were a little boy, you watched the movie, and you weren't like, I saw Aladdin, I wasn't blown away, so I kind of was like, I'm not into movies anymore. You saw Aladdin, you were blown away because you were a child. Yeah. And then sure. from then on, you just always had movies being put on in front of you. So sure. you eventually just kind of built up the, the palette mm-hmm. for things on a screen. Yeah. Whereas if you go and watch a bad play, that's like... That's 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 a whole other thing. You yeah. have to sit in the dark. Yep. There's real people in front of you. You can't leave. You can't turn it off. <laughs> yeah. Like that's invasive. Yeah, that's yeah. like really a difficult scenario. Yeah. It's also, I mean, so I don't, it, bl- so it, I don't blame no, no, those people. If it if it's bad, yeah. You know, if it's in a movie and it's bad, you get up, you walk out. The people on the screen don't know you mm-hmm. walked out. Mm-hmm. They don't give a shit. For a play, if it's bad, you get up, you walk out, and they're probably watching you going, oh, fuck you. Yeah, totally. Yeah, walk, walkouts are tough. Yeah. <laughs> In plays. Um, so that was me. What about, what about you? Yeah. Um, yeah, like, I think my dad took me to see... Uh, shows in New York mm-hmm. when he was okay. on business as a kid, so I always really liked the medium, mm. um, and uh, and I, I kind of always wanted to be an actor, kind of because my eldest brother was kind of interested in it. Okay, he was in school plays and stuff, so I'd I'd see that, and I just wanted to emulate him in every possible way, and um, yeah, and he gave. Uh, when I was like way too young, he gave me a copy of uh, like Reservoir Dogs and Godfather mm-hmm. and a bunch of other gangster movies. So I went up to him and I said, I, I want to watch Scarface. And mm-hmm. I was 10. And he was like, well, you can't watch Scarface until you've watched all these other movies. <laughs> <laughs> so he gave me all these like really incredible, like golden, uh, you know, era of film films to, to get into. And, and Steve Buscemi and, uh, in Reservoir Dogs mm. kind of made me want to, you know, have acting in my life. And, and then, um, and then in high school, I was so bad at everything. Um, and, uh, my only good grades were in drama and, and through that I'd, I'd write plays mm-hmm. and, and direct them. Mm. And, um, we didn't really have that much of a program. So I just kind of got to do whatever I wanted. Yeah. And then, um, and then, uh, through that, I, I didn't know what I wanted to do, uh, post-secondary. So I went to an act school in Vancouver and, uh, fell kind of deeper in love with it. And then, you know, uh, studied acting in a bunch of places and just was always into both, you know, film and, uh, and theater. But because I'd go to New York and, and, uh, and see plays, you know, there's, there's something really special about good theater and, um, and, uh, and yeah, so, um, we've been friends since we were 10, by the way. Okay. Yeah. I was going to ask when you guys, yeah. uh, uh, I was 10, he was 12. We went to the same, uh, elementary school, school. Mm-hmm. and then we have just kind of always been friends and, uh, he played in bands and I played in different bands. And at one point we thought maybe we'd have a music project together and it didn't quite work. Um, and then, uh, and then I was playing a show in New York while he was doing a play in New York. Okay. Um, and I got to see his play and then he got to come see me play at the Bowery Electric in the same mm. night. And 
it was just a special moment of like, wow, this shouldn't have happened. Mm. <laughs> We're both from Vancouver and, you know, don't really, you know, whatever. But um, then we got back to Vancouver after playing and, and, and doing the play and both kind of felt a little bit un, uh, satisfied with our artistic lives. And he proposed the idea that we write a play together and just really just trying to make each other laugh mm. and I remember at 20 pages into writing the first play, I was like, this is where most people give up and I'm still feeling good about it. Like, let's keep going. And Mm -hmm. then his tenacity is, is phenomenal. Like, so then we got to 40 pages uh, of this thing and he's like, okay, let's like do a read through uh, of what we have so far. So we, we got over the actors that we kind of wanted for this play. And he pretty much announced like, it's not even written yet, but we should definitely do this play in like a month. <laughs> and uh, and then just kind of through, uh, you know, hard work and, and tenacity, all that happened. We, we we did finish the play doing 12-hour writing sessions and, and then put it up. And I went away to go play shows in Europe and we put you, play, you put, we put, we put, put on your first play in Vancouver. We put it up in a church in Vancouver. Uh, yeah, that's how it started. Well, in, yeah, in it started because I just really wanted to write a play for our buddy Brandon Taylor that took place in a storage locker. Because mm-hmm. I also just really wanted to like build a storage locker somewhere and get one of those <laughs> like sweet orange doors that goes up. That was all I knew. And then that didn't, we, we did turn into an attic. Well, then it turned into a basement suite, like a basement crawl space, and then it turned into an attic. Um, but yeah, man. And then was, yeah, and then we started writing. That yeah, was, and, then, and then we've been writing since then. Yeah, and then during the uh, rehearsal process of that, he and I were kind of getting together and writing uh, "Kill Your Parents," which was the it just it, yeah, just from that point on when we started writing "Piranha Club." After once that thing kind of started to get on its feet, I think that was when we were kind of like, I think this is like a good thing going here. Like, let's keep going with that. And we yeah. just, we've been writing hmm. together ever since. Hmm. Yeah. So when you guys, um, <clears throat> were putting on your first, your, your first play mm-hmm. in Vancouver, mm-hmm. um, a place where you've, you've said, uh, mm-hmm. that there's not a lot of good theater. Mm-hmm. How did that go down in a place where they're used to seeing things like what your parents would? Well, all our friends came out. Okay. And that was kind of it. All right. And that was all right. And we were pretty happy with that. Yeah. And it was like, it was kind, it was you're getting like 15 people a night. We are pretty stoked on that. And it was kind of a test run. And like, the place could fill 15 people. I'm still stoked time. on getting just 15 people. Yeah. Not, yeah. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, it kind of was like a test run. We didn't mm-hmm. want to have a space that was massive because it's like what if we suck yeah yeah that what was kind of entirely suck and this is like something that we would never talk but about but also at the same time it, it, it was that but it was also like you know in 2010 like i had moved from living in the states back to vancouver and i started a theater company with another friend of ours who's actually acting in the show right now um but i started a theater company with him we've done a bunch of shows in vancouver and it's really expensive to do theater in Vancouver. Huh. It's just, just not a lot of 
facilities for it. It's not like here kind of mm. thing. And and then there's not an audience on top of it to be able to support how much money you have to put in in order to do it. Right. So it's just, it's not, it's just not economic. Yeah. And so, you know, for this, when we were doing this, it was like, let's not, let's like, I didn't want to like go rent it. We, we were like, we're not renting a fucking theater. Like, let's figure out, you know, what's the, what's the smartest way for us to go about this. So we, you know, we went to the United church down the street from my house and we did it. We did it there and it was yeah. great. And it was mm-hmm. really, really great. And they were super helpful and really supportive of it. Nice. And, um, and all our friends came and, it just kind of, I mean, I would say that that show kind of set the table for also what our theater company turned into, which was kind of like, you know, feeling like it was like a family run thing. Mm. And that, and that to me, that to me felt different from other theater experiences I had had. Sure. And I always kind of felt like this thing shouldn't be so fucking expensive. Yeah. You know, and it should, we should be able to charge five bucks at the door. We were able to charge five bucks for that show. Mm. People were into that. Yeah. And um, it was cool. Mm. It was really, really cool. And it kind of just set the tone of being like, you know, maybe we got a good thing going here with like the company itself. Yeah. Now, what was the trajectory that brought Kill Your Parents? How did, sorry, I'm going to get the title wrong. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Kill Your Parents in Viking, Alberta. How did that get that's the title baby. from thank you how did that how did that end up in toronto <clears throat> well <laughs> no, but it's yeah i mean like we like Broke, baby it, it was the thing is like Bree and i you know have been friends for a number of years mm. we grew up in the same neighborhood and then Bree had been out here for a number of years and then and then my partner and i she was the one who was like, we can't live in Vancouver anymore. We need, mm. we need to move to Toronto. Sure. And then it was like, great. Brie Proke's there. From doing theater and call Brie. Called Brie. Brie was like, yep. And then gave her that play. And then, and then she gave it storefront. And then storefront. Picked mm. it up. Yeah. Did you have a connection with, with Storefront before that? No. No? No. I, I mean, I knew them in the industry because I've, I've been working in the industry here since 2014, so I knew some of the people, mm-hmm. but I'd never done anything artistic with them. Okay. And so it was just a blind submission, and they picked it, and yeah, it's been a great partnership ever since. Because uh-huh. well, they're also affiliated with the show as well. Sure. Yeah. I mean, Christina is the reason why we're, we're talking Yes. Today, yeah. Because, Christina yeah. Bryson. Yeah. Yeah. So... I mean, I've always really liked what Storefront does. Mm-hmm. They were able to do much more of it. Before. Before. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Before. Yeah. Um, but uh, like the quality of what they turn out is always, is always really good. So I'm really happy to see the, 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 the collaboration between you guys and, and them and Factory come together. Um, now, we've talked a lot about, about um, the, the seriousness of, of After Wrestling. Um, and, uh, you know, some of how, how you guys got together. Um, Blood Pact is the name of the theater company. Mm-hmm. Where did that name come from? It's bit, this is a big disputed <laughs> problem within Blood Pact. Okay. Man. Okay. Is like, this, you're okay. digging up some problems. So do I have to, problems I mean, we have to put ha- a yeah. line down this table? No, no, yeah, no, 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 no. I didn't uh, even know it was the origin of the name of the company until about a couple of months yeah. ago. So at one point when, when we were putting, <laughs> fuck man, we were putting up. 
Piranha Club at that church in Vancouver. Mm-hmm. At one point, I wanted to call the company Little Little Guy, and I wanted the logo to be a hand-drawn Brontosaurus. And everybody was pretty on board. Everybody was, like, pretty on board with that. I was like, I think this is a great idea. Charlie was like, great, fantastic. I showed him the logo. He was like, I'll fuck with that. You know, Libby, who... I don't even know if Libby and I were dating yet, but, like, Libby and I were, like, freshly trying to get together and Libby was like great I love it I remember drawing it out in her living room one day Brendan Taylor was into it and then so I thought the theater company was going to be a little little guy brontosaurus logo and then I I went down to California for two weeks right before we started to go into rehearsals for it and then I remembered a story I was thinking a lot about the theater company and I was like what does the theater company represent and and, and and to me at that time it just like felt like what the theater company was was like we I felt like we were like twelve year olds in a basement getting up to no good. And then I was like, Well, you know, when you're twelve, like what do you do? You like play with Ouija boards in the basement and you like make blood oaths and stuff. <laughs> and then I thought about our friend, a good friend of ours, it's like a really sort of like around the neighborhood story back home of our friend and Bree and another friend all got drunk on 40s, and then our friend smashed the 40 and pulled out a shard of glass and was like, Blood Oath. And they all did a Blood Oath together. And I was like, That's a good. And then Blood Oath doesn't work with theater, so it turned into Blood Pack. Okay. And that's the sure. long winded version of it. And it's. I still have the scar. She still has the scar. <laughs> and so, Bree, they. <laughs> Yeah, that's the person I to just, talk to. Yeah. Let's be honest. When we're kids, we do stupid shit. Yeah. I, so I'm not even going to worry about that. Funny thing is, you guys weren't really kids. <laughs> so, how old were you at the time? Uh, like 19. Still kids. That's generous. Still yeah. kids. No, still kids. no, no. it Nine. was when I was living in the basement in Camby, and he, the person, was living across the street by the park. Oh, yeah. I guess. So okay. that was when we yeah, were like yeah, 19. Yeah, yeah. Still kids. Still um, teens. Yeah. So, did they ever, until vote. like recently, like now you've heard, you've, this is not the first time you've heard the story. Um, yeah. <laughs> now that you, you, you know that you were instrumental in the inspiration for the name of the company, uh, how do you feel about the... Uh, I love yeah. it. Yeah. I do. I mean, like, I remember oh, when no. Bryce told me the name, I was like, no. Like, I didn't like the name at all. And and we even had like an argument about it like after Kill Your Parents Clothes where I was like we should change the name. Libby was like we should change the name and you Libby's were really, like, like Libby's like never like no Blood Pact. Yeah. And then it wasn't until a couple months ago that Bryce was like, You know why it's called Blood Pact and told me that story and I was like, Oh now I feel so much more involved in like the origin <laughs> of this company <laughs> And uh, it just transformed the name for me in a lot of ways. Even though it's an embarrassing story, but And now immortalized Forever, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> um, what kind of what kind of humor are you guys drawn to? I mean, obviously airplane, but aside <laughs> from airplane, um, what what like when you guys are, are like you know you're mixing, especially with this one, yeah. humor with some serious stuff. What sort of? <laughs> I mean, you've caught us on a week where we've been having like serious issues with me making fucking poo jokes and Charlie being so not on board with them. Oh. It's and I've been like really, especially because we've been rehearsing and I've been trying to get under Charlie's skin a lot lately. I know that I can always get there with a good poo one. Um, 
definitely, definitely there. Um, um, in in like a, in a more uh, serious <laughs> answer, um, I'm trying to like happy sad stuff, I guess. Like Taika Waititi's movies. That's probably our best overall inspiration. He's incredible. Christopher Guest. Yeah, uh, mm-hmm. is pretty unstoppable. Um, where we really kind of divert from humor, not only with Frasier, hugely with Frasier, because our I, biggest issue I can't is stand Frasier, and he yeah. loves it. Um, but um, also, just like I very much grew up on SNL. Yeah, and he very sure. much grew up on Faulty Towers. Okay. Yeah, yeah, huh. yeah. That's mm. yeah. That would sum it up. And, yeah, and then and then and then like literature wise, like the I I really like um like the absurdity of like Kurt Vonnegut and and uh, what he does with humor as well. Hmm. I've been reading a lot of Eden Robinson lately, and she's funny as fuck, man. She's like dark, heavy, like really, really yeah. heavy. But like, there is some shit in her new in her new book. Or well, it's yeah, it's her newest book, Son of a Trickster, where like. There is some, there is some of the funny shit I've, I've ever mm. read in there. Um, uh, I mean, I oh, and stand up like I love the art form of stand up, just mm. like crafting jokes, which and stuff. which Amazing. is funny though. But that's also yeah. where you and I have not always yeah. seen. Like I like comics. Mm-hmm. I don't really like stand up. Mm. I don't really right. like going and sitting down and watching stand up or watching stand up specials. Granted, I did go see John. We were at the same John Mulaney show. And that was like one of the fucking greatest things yeah. I've ever seen. Mulaney rules. Um, Mulaney rules. I mean, I fucking love Mel Brooks. Mm. Yeah, mm. as do I. Um, yeah, and um, yeah, just, I don't know, man. Yeah, um, I. I mean, my like, I'd say my all-time favorite actor is Peter Sellers, mm. and I love John Candy. Mm-hmm. You know. Mm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Robin Williams, when he's like fighting through like how sad he is to do things that are funny. Well, you and I also have this conversation all the time. No, no, but like Birdcage, but like you and I also talk about how like some of the funniest shit ever is Robin Williams in Goodwill Hunting. Oh my god. It's, but like, and that's the thing is people always love being like Robin Williams when he gets serious. Like, in Goodwill Hunting, I don't think about that. I always am like, Robin Williams is so fucking funny. And it's like, to me, it's like the fucking... It's like the secret jokes within that, yeah. to me. It's like the... It's... it's it's It feels like... There's moments in that movie where I feel like he's... He's so fucking present. Mm-hmm. And it goes back to this thing that we started the conversation mm-hmm. with. Like, it's a, he's playing a dude who's like, he's playing a widower. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he's so present in that, <clears throat> that like, it transcends above it just being a man living with a, you know, living a heavy life. Yeah. To, like, there's a hilarity in it. Sure. You know? Yeah. Long-winded answer for sure, happy, sad, happy, pretty happy, much. Sad. Yeah, that's... that's... Do you know the the? Have you heard, do you know Tignatero? Yes. Yeah. Have my you face. seen her document? The documentary. Yeah. 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 The one thing I love about that movie is how you know there's you know all the stuff that she's going through in her life, but there's 
You see the genesis of a joke. Yeah, man. From when it's really bad. Uh, oh, the one about the uh, her chest, right? Yeah. She just tells us. I remember what the I remember what the joke is, but I remember seeing it at, near the beginning of the film, and she keeps telling it. You get to yeah, watch yeah, her yeah, no, it. Work it, it, it how? Yeah. It's yeah, the, if it's, I paraphrase it, it's she's uh, maybe you have it better. It's it's um. She makes fun of her whole life. She makes fun of herself for being flat chested yeah, and not yeah. having boobs that are big enough. And then the joke is that her boobs one day go. You know what? Let's kill her. <laughs> but, yeah, but it, and it progresses though because and it's and it's great watching her try it out where she's like, you, you know, she doesn't appreciate us. So yeah, we should just leave. You know, and then by the end, it's let's kill her. Yeah, yeah. 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 No, but like that's a great example yeah, yeah. of you know, she's funny that whole documentary. Yeah, like at the worst oh point God, of her life, yeah. and the new Patton special that's very much about mm-hmm. oh, Patton Oswalt. The, the Patton special is like because like he's you, he's so raw because he's still fighting through like the death of his but, wife. But that combination yeah. of being able to communicate these things yeah. that like people don't even want to get near. Yeah, and then he not only like knocks it out of the park in terms of like getting us all kind of in on this human connection and experience it's also laugh out loud funny yeah. and um it's that, that's such a like, gift and, and his books are the same way yeah. it's almost like when you make somebody laugh you break down the barrier mm. towards what makes them cry mm. like you you make them vulnerable through the laughter so they can actually reach where you need them to go when you go serious yeah, yeah. and somebody like Pat and somebody like Tig Totally able to do that. Yeah, yeah. Sounds like sounds a little bit like some of what you guys are doing with uh, with after wrestling. Here's hoping. Yeah. <laughs> well, I want to thank you guys so.